Dawn. Hey, Jem. Hey, Phoebe. How's it going? We were just talking about our, our big naturals. Yes, we were. I forget what Brad's feeling. Um, yeah. So. Like Carol, like Carol Radzawell. Oh, yeah, Carol. That's just like a flex for being skinny that she does that. I know. Whatever. She needs to wear a sports bra when she runs the marathon. So. Exactly. So SLC, the final part of the reunion, part three, was this week, last week? Yeah, it was last week. And, you know, the first two parts of the reunion, I didn't, you know, they really didn't, this one didn't quite get me either. You know, Salt Lake City's going to really have to step it up season two. I'm really curious how they rewrite things and make it more interesting. Um, but I thought the, this final part of the finale was interesting in terms of the kind of cultural uh signifiers in it the kind of race conversations and the, the kind of fear of cancellation and we both read that during saint felix article that kind of touched upon that mm -hmm. yeah and we can we can talk about that but and we were going to talk about that but i it was also via the first reunion i watched like without binging it it's like the first one I had to wait for. Was that the same experience with you? Yes. Right. And I think that that actually, that kind of like, it took away a little bit from, from the goodness and like the immediacy of, of watching yeah. it. I was like, I didn't even want to watch the last one because I was so like bored of it. I was like, I don't really care to hear them talking, talking, talking. Well, yeah, um, the reunions, the reunions, when they're that many parts right in a row, they really feel redundant. Like, Mm -hmm. you're just like okay it doesn't matter that much you can tell um how they're like planned like episodically you know what I mean yeah. and it, it was actually it was interesting because um the second episode it like all took place in the break yes I know that was weird right and I think that that may say something about like the the like the public private stuff that we've been talking about uh, because they actually like the the facade is on or whatever the mask that we were talking about is on when the cameras are like blatantly filming but I think that in like the, in the middle yeah there's there and you know and it's funny that the cameras are still on during the breaks it's when like guards are down and they can go closer to each other it was it was just weird I've never really seen that where the majority takes place me either and I thought I I like loved the shot of like Lisa from behind like she was screaming and it was just her head and her torso. And I was like, wow, I've never really seen a housewife be facing away from the camera like that, you know? Like I, that was, I mean, I, so I agree. I had that same kind of feeling and I love that stuff. I used to really like that stuff when they talked about like the fourth wall, when they kind of would break the fourth wall and be like, well, that wasn't on camera or we don't know you the viewers didn't actually see you know i kind of love when they like pull that back a little bit to let you know that like you're not really in on the whole thing um but yeah i did like that that part was but it still felt like they were performing to a degree yeah especially heather i mean i yes. i don't i she was really i mean to use her own word she was very aggressive she had like a point to prove and i think that um, 
a lot of what, and this ties into the Doreen St. Felix article, and this also ties into the episode one of season 10 of, of New York, uh, you know, when Luann famously dons blackface yeah. for her Diana Ross costume. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that like Heather's, um, like Heather's way of speaking is a type of like, I don't know what even people are calling it, but it's like, it is this type of weird, like appropriation of like the figure, the stereotype of like, like a black woman, you know what I mean? Like her voice gets very like stereotypically like angry black woman type mm-hmm. thing when she gets like, then she starts like doing all the weird hand movements, you know, which is like, it, it's like kind of like this weird social minstrel show of like oh. performing, you know, of, of like performing anger and performing, I, I don't know, it was, it was just really weird. And it, that obviously tied a lot to what, you know, what Jen was saying when Jen had the breakdown and Jen was like, you're like you and uh, you and Whitney are just really fucking racist. And that's why you keep calling me aggressive. And that's why it hurts so much, um, which itself is a complicated thing to say. Yeah, but I really felt, I mean, Jen is always like the Doreen St. Felix article, I think calls her like, she has like a hunger, like, and so, and she's been othered since the beginning. And I think that we are too quick because we want like as a society we want and like in a culture we want like kind of people to be on the same level and like we understand that there's all these racial politics but we kind of don't want to you know imbue that in our reality television all the time but like I think Jen has had like a strong knock against her from the beginning and I think that yes she's like a lot as a person but I think there's a total other like she's being othered by these women, like in a really big way. And I thought that, and Doreen St. Felix talks about this. And I thought that too, in that episode when Brooks is like horrified because she like quote unquote shows her vagina. Like that was such a debasing comment and such a like, that felt like very pointed and um, really like misogynistic, but also felt really like wanting to make her feel humiliated and shamed for being like too much and I think that she's totally right that like those women do that to her and the thing is about Heather is that Heather's yeah so she's kind of co-opting that kind of anger aesthetic but in the same time she's like actively telling Jen like you are aggressive like she doesn't let her she doesn't actually let her stand like she I, I don't really remember exactly what she does but she doesn't really let her feel hurt she like she pretty much shuts her the fuck down and and like yeah I thought I thought that it was interesting because I think we want to think that this season is somehow woker or Heather's so woke but she's actually kind of the maybe one of the worst kinds of white women yeah I mean I yeah right I mean, I never really thought that they were I think but you know it's what I mean Doreen St. Felix has some really incredible uh, little little sound bites in here. Yeah. Uh, I picked some too. He, hold on. Yeah, here we go. She goes, SLC is the most racially diverse series in Housewives history. The franchise has been criticized for segregating across racial lines. The series tend to have all white, all, to have all white casts with the exception of Atlanta and P- Potomac, which are all black 
but I'm of the mind that cynical diversity efforts will harm the click chemistry. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. Right, right. But so, so I think that it's like interesting for like SLC, which is like in this, as she says, like this like white stronghold in the United States is it's like strangely the most diverse one, but I think that it kind of like shows what happens when like, like the cultural economy or like cultural politics become imbued with a show that kind of takes whiteness for granted, like whiteness as this like kind of invisible metaphor mm -hmm. of, of wealth and prosperity. Right. And while I think like people have, you know, like there's never like a, there's never like a woman of color on the cast who will ever act as like insane as the white women. Like that's like a thing that people have like talked about for a long time. And I think it's interesting because Jen is not black. So she doesn't have to totally, you know, f like fear. She doesn't have to like, you know, not act aggressively specifically because she doesn't want to be portrayed as seen as like an angry black woman because she's not black but she's Polynesian and her family's black. So she is still kind of this interesting like medium and she is an aggressive person. She is a genuinely aggressive person and like, but I think, um, I, I, I don't think that Heather or Whitney or like the other women were like racist, but I do think that they'd spent a lot of time othering Jen, whether that was because of her race or not. And I think on some level, it probably was a little bit because she's, she is like, she does come from kind of a different background than them, like what that everyone brings to any social interaction. But I do think they wanted her to feel outside because they thought that she was so like hard to deal with. Yeah, but they also like, even when they're friends with her, you know what I mean? Like even Heather is like, she kind of sees Jen as this like, you know, it's like the type of thing where where Heather either like totally um, like idolizes her because she's a woman of color. So she, you know, she's like, you're fierce. You're like, you're glamorous. Yeah. You know, your husband's so hot. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, just like shit like that, which like obviously doesn't have a basis in any like actual details of the person as an individual or it's the other side where it's like, you're aggressive, you yell too much, like you're too much for me. And I, you know what I mean? And I think that like Heather finds a lot of like her inspiration as a person for being like separate from the Mormon church from like, you know, from 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 like tropes of blackness, they're like tropes of non-whiteness because I think that she like consciously or subconsciously or whatever like associates like Mormonism with whiteness. Yes. You know what I mean? So anything anything that's other than that and anything that she's experimenting towards kind of like concurrently becomes a type of like you know it becomes like a type of racial otherness and I think that that's where her maybe like perhaps that's kind of like the crux of her racism and I I think that Whitney too you know what I mean and yeah. and what and the last line of the Doreen St. Felix article is um um, at one point, Shaw throws a hip-hop themed birthday party for her husband. He instigates a dance battle and the girls join in, awkwardly crumping and twerking, gladly playing the minstrel. Right. And I mean, I think like I'm I'm thinking about that scene like Jen dressed in that like uh like Beverly Hills Hotel print green outfit, like when she's on top of that um bar. Yeah. She's kind of dancing around and then she falls. Like she kind of like she's in that moment, she's trying to make it up to Heather, right? Like she's like Heather's like mad at her. And so she's trying to make it up to Heather and her making it up to Heather is like 
dancing around and like kind of making a fool of herself in some way. You know, like I don't dislike Jen and I've actually, I like Jen. I do like Jen. I've liked her since the beginning because she's just like, because that's what you, cause she's what you want on TV. Like you want somebody who's like totally vulgar and totally over the top. You know, you don't really want like the, even a fake wokeness. It's not, I mean, that's kind of what we we're talking about with this blackface, the, the, the blackface controversy that we're coming to three years late. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, I think, I don't know. I, I like Jen. And I think that, um, I do think that the women like mistreated her to some degree. And I'm curious to see like how that, if, if that plays out in the next seasons. And also there's a question of Mary, who is a black woman and her kind of relationships to race and the way that she talks about race. But it is interesting to think about these, the two women of color on the show and like what their roles were, because Mary was basically like to the side the whole time, but the kind of dramas that her and Jen got involved in were pretty different. And Jen kept trying to pull her into the race conversation and Mary pretty much resisted it until the reunion. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's something that I also saw with like Garcelle and um in Beverly Hills where the the woman just step on eggshells yeah you know what I mean and I think that like that's kind of like almost that that's one of the things I garnered from the Doreen St. Felix article with like the clickiness or whatever like I think that I think that in a show like Beverly Hills like I don't think that Lisa Rinna would ever throw a glass at at Garcelle never and I think if she did she'd get a lot of like um like hatred for that like you know what I mean she'd be called out and um and I I I just think that it's it's really difficult for these women who who are used to this subconscious whiteness especially people and you see it with like with like uh like Heather and and Whitney who are both who are the only two people no Mary's from Utah but they're the only two white women on the show from Utah Mormons from Utah Right. So they're the, um, so I think that they're like, they're kind of like, they're kind of, it seems to me, and like same with Beverly Hills, where all these women, they grew up in their like gated communities and yada, yada. They literally don't know what to do. No. They're friends with like, like a black lady. They're just like there. And you can tell that they're fucking scared to like, like what they're saying. And am I getting too angry? Oh my God, did I say this to you? And to me, it's just like really icky and it's, it gets really, it's, it's weird it's a weird relationship and Garcelle also in Beverly Hills you know you also see Garcelle she's not really part of the show either she kind of like she kind of does her own thing yeah she doesn't she doesn't buy into the show at all well yeah. so this is like a quote from that the article um I appreciate the vulgarity of her performance speaking of Jen the show delights in the playing of Cosby's conservatism against Shaw's confrontational in vogue politics of black against brown, which is to say that it captures a real interracial social tension. Shaw's politics are righteous, but she is also aware of how they might garner her clout. Call this culturally sensitive trash. I think that's like the most like salient point of her kind of piece is this. Yeah, I just thought that was a real. I mean, obviously, that's like what we were kind of talking about. Yeah. But I thought, I think, so there's like a type of person like Heather, who's like, like, cause then they had that conversation that was like addressing the racial question to some degree, pretty head on. And, you know, Heather's like, 
Heather and Whitney are both doing that kind of like cloying kind of like spoiled brat thing of being like I'm trying to learn like I'm doing it like I know there's differences and then you have the other kind of archetype of this conversation which is a Meredith who will not weigh in on either side she will not stand up for Jen she will not stand up for Heather and Whitney but what she will do is she will stand up for their reputations and she will warn she was like warning everybody she was like this is really like sensitive to we should really be careful in this culture we live in like and she said it with a very pronounced emphasis on the word like this moment we live in and in that moment everyone the viewers everyone on the show knows what she's talking about she's talking about like this height of like black lives matter like this past summer everyone knows what she's talking about no, because that hadn't happened yet no, it had. No, it had a biggest day. Sh- oh shit! Right. They had, oh, because they, sh- right. yeah. they, filmed, they filmed the show before. Oh, oh wait, that. Okay, so, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. They filmed no, the show. The show wrapped in February, and then. Right. No, I totally. At least, at least the George Floyd thing had happened by the time they shot the reunion. Yeah. No. No. You're right. Sorry. I. I was like. I like had a brain mess up, and I thought that this had happened before COVID and the whole summer. Yeah. I mean, no, no, it's okay. But yeah, anyway, I just think that that's interesting that like, there's always going to be one person like that in the room who's like, concerned only with like, you know, how they're going to be perceived. And I get it. Like, if there's like a room of people talking about race, and it's on national television, like, it's pretty dicey. But that's the thing. It's like, everyone's so freaking scared of like, getting like, you could see Meredith being so afraid of getting canceled. Like she was like, like you could see it in her eyes. She was like, no, 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 no. Like we can't, you know, really. But Andy was kind of baiting the conversation. Well, I mean, like he does, but I mean, I have a couple of things to say about, I mean, I think that, I mean, what, and I, I mean, I just watched it. So I think what I remember is that like Heather and um, Jen are like, you know, they're having their conversation Then Meredith, who, right, who's, like, been out of it, and then she says in that, vi- in, like, in, like, that voice, you know, yeah. and it's like, whoa, 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 Jen, you can't just call people racist, yeah, like, how you, like, do you even know what calling someone racist does to them, and that's when Jen was, like, you know, you could tell in her mind, she was, like, you fucking cunt, is you that when she freaked I- out, is that when she, like, ran out of the room, I, I, I think that that was like one of the, I'd have to watch it again, but I do remember that Meredith said that and Jen was like, you know, that, that kind of, and maybe there were a couple of things said after that, but I think that that was one of the things because I mean, and that itself is like, even though uh, Meredith isn't like taking sides or whatever, she's still in, she's siding with whiteness. No, you're right. You're right. I forgot that part. Yeah. Right. No, but it was so, it was like, crazy because she's like she's like she's siding with you know with the she's understanding the argument is only a racial thing so she's not you know what I mean so even though she's like I'm out of it I don't care she still is like being called a racist is like more damaging to someone's reputation than you know than like being like than than people like doing racist things like to you or people like being fucking racist yeah and she I mean she also doubled down on her feud with Jen throughout the reunion like she decided that Jen was her enemy number one and like 
continued to kind of say things that were like the, to make Jen feel humiliated and shamed, I think. Um, yeah. Well, she, she played into that Marks Brooks thing. You know what I mean? She was like, you were exposing yourself and like you did take, you like did publicly embarrass me. And right. And like, and that's, and that's where, and that's where the St. Felix article starts is talking about Brooks and talking the, the, can I just read the quote? Because it's, I'm sorry that I'm talking so much in such a. No, no, we're doing a podcast. Don't, okay. I think we can't apologize for talking. We're literally doing a podcast. But I have a, I have a quote from that part too, because I thought it was really good. And I do want to talk about Brooks a little bit. Yeah. Wait, can I just read it? I think we're probably talking about the same one, but it just goes, uh, Brooks jab, Brooks's jab, a callback to the witty white male cruelty that thrived in the early aughts, now directed at a woman of color by a member of Gen Z, felt like an anachronism. Yeah, I loved that. He was reaching and in that crucial moment, he flopped. And I feel like that was really evident as you were watching the show you were like like I was saying like when that when that part of the reunion aired I said to you I was like that was like just like weird and kind of like fucked up of him <laughs> you know like and of Meredith to kind of hop onto was like it wasn't tasteful at all and like and she I think uh Doreen St. Felix also says the issue was the artlessness of the fakery like the artlessness of him like manufacturing this petty issue like he didn't do it in a way that was kind of smart and with the times he did it in this way that was very yeah anachronistic and it did not sit well um and he didn't really sit well because everybody when the show came out thought he was going to be like the star of the show in a way and so i've been can i can i slightly tangent for a second yeah yeah of course do it so i've been thinking about like the Brooks Marks and like I've been thinking about like Ella Emhoff you know here and there and you know how everybody you know everyone hates her or whatever is just annoyed by her and and I think specifically people like within our milieu are like really angry that she's a thing and I think it's the same as Brooks where like there's kind of a violence to their presence because they are so placeable like in your sphere, like Brooks, maybe a little less so, cause I'm not friends with that many like super rich gay men who have a fashion line, but I know a lot of people who at least look like Ella Emhoff. And there is something like accosting about like how placeable she is in your sphere to have her on this stage of like this like kind of political stage in a sense too is really like jarring. So I think that Brooks is like, Brooks has that element to him. And I think people were excited by him because he was like, I think he helped, he helped to mark Salt Lake City as like a show that was rooted in like now. Like he felt like a very contemporary figure because like all the housewives always kind of feel from the same sort of era. Like they're, none of them are that relevant really. I mean, this, this season's a little different because of like, you know, politics are becoming more relevant in like all kinds of media and stuff. But I do think that Brooks was kind of this like uh, marker for like this moment. And I think that's why people were excited by him. And that's why he like couldn't really succeed because like he didn't, he didn't play it right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's what, yeah, a ready-made meme. And I think yeah. that that's what Ella Elmhoff, Emhoff, Elmhoff? Emhoff. 
she's a, she's a rat. And that's I, I tweeted. You know what I mean? <laughs> About like I I know fifty fucking Ella Hoffmans. Yeah, and I think they basically are all Emma Elmhoff or like or whatever. Like how you many? Their name different wrong every time. <laughs> I know I don't I don't I can't do it and no good you shouldn't have to but it's also just like I mean it's bad and but also like we all know the Brooks Marks who like the rich kid who goes to NYU and it's like yeah for him I fucking I dated someone who's like from Connecticut who was like NYU was too much for me and I was like yeah okay (laughs) my don't you feel like like for me like maybe I'm being like just like cynical or something but like I feel like Brooks and Ella Emhoff are both these and then sort of the Jurgen Teller photos which we don't have to go totally into but like are just basically a sign of like how lazy everybody is right now like laziness is part of our culture <laughs> in a way I, I actually I loved the Jurgen Teller photos I'm not saying laziness is bad. I'm just saying that there's like, there's a, there's a laziness to like this like meme ability or, or maybe, maybe it's not laziness. Like maybe things are just memeable because everything's becoming memeable, but like, like Brooks feels like a lazy character. Like if he was a good character, he would, he would have been at the reunion. He would have done better. Ella Emhoff is a lazy figure. Like it's lazy of culture to to put her where she is like it's lazy that she's like it's lazy the modeling agencies to give her a gig it's like her shoot is lazy like they give her those weird glasses you know like there's just something about it that's just like just feels like mundane you know it just like it's so it's so it's so relevant or so like happening that it's just like feels so flat Mm-hmm. but I did not like the photos I thought I thought they had a lot to, to them well what you're saying is like I'm thinking of memes and I'm also thinking of like the ready-made because yeah. she has ready-made meme but it's also I think that like that's almost oxymoronic because I think that like a meme itself is a type of ready-made and like it was like Marcel Duchamp you know Duchamp who um famously playing chess with Eve Babbitts, um, who who kind of came up with the ready-made with like the found objects and yeah. um, and making like the found object into 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 art. And like in a way I can almost like relate that to what like Jurgen Teller was doing. It's like understanding and it's it's it, it this is also I feel like we should talk about this next week because I want us to do a little bit more research on it or at least I want to do more research on sure. it. It's like the idea of like a celebrity or like a Bravo celebrity as a type of ready-made thing. And I'm using thing in like the Heideggerian sense of thing. You know what I mean? Is something which like is itself, but it's also like the idea of itself. And I think that like once you once you make like the idea or the ethos or the essence of a person into the thing, which is a celebrity, I think you can photograph them or you can understand them as a type of ready-made. So I think that like, I think that that's in a way what Jurgen Teller is, was doing. I think that a lot of his work is like making a joke out of it. Like, I think that like, I think it was funny. Like, I think it's hilarious that you get these like celebrities and they're like photographed in front of a tree. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's funny. And it's being like, yeah, like, it's like, the, it's just, it's a, it's a, fi- it's a joke. Like celebrity is kind of a, 
is like kind of a joke and like you know stars they're just like us they also get photographed in front of garbage it's what you I were that in my notes is this like and we yeah we, we can save it for next week we can save it for next week I think what's interesting is like why I think people are just not happy with those photos is because I think we're we have shifted as a culture from celebrities are just like us like we have shifted away from that like tabloid people magazine spotting Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris getting a Starbucks like we are we have kind of passed that as as what celebrity is and and now celebrities are into are in this realm that's like much more um much more accessible in a way um like with like cameos like you know being able to like get a cameo from somebody or like like these holograms or like the deep fakes that people are making anyway yeah we can well I I just have one I have one more thing about the year can tell thing and why I think people are angry about it and it actually may reveal myself as like the art fascist that I am and I say that I've been saying that for years I'm kind of a fascist when it comes to like like who should be an artist and who, I just don't here's the thing and this is like really gonna out me I'm sorry to all the people who who have built up an image of me which is perfect and pristine and, and brilliant <laughs> as I know all of our lovely viewers have um I don't think everyone should be allowed to write about art on the internet and I don't think everyone should be allowed to make art I don't think that everyone should be allowed to write poetry I mean you should on your own time but like the whole notion oh, like I agree publish anything at any time and like Twitter becomes like like the next big thing for like art and social criticism and people take that seriously I think that's so ridiculous you know what I mean so I think that there's like with the Jurgen Teller thing it's like there are these people who are having these like hot takes which are then like perceived as like this viral uh like like social criticism of like something that's I mean I guess, but you know, that argument is flawed because it's like, who the fuck am I to have an opinion about this publicly? So it's, I'm not actually a fascist, but you know, but it's like, it's like, like what I wrote down in my notes, I said, Jurgen Teller, W Magazine photo shoot, the capacity of the viral, especially in a viral pandemic, LOL, do the masses understand art? No. <laughs> no, they don't. And it, but, but, it, but, you know, but it just like, goes viral that it's like so bad. And I think that people then take what's viral and what's like, what has to do with like the mat, like the Twitter masses or the Instagram masses, they take that as like a faux pas if you think that Jurgen Teller makes like good art. I don't know. It was just, it's just so silly to me. Well, it's lazy. I mean, once again, it's lazy to just be yeah. like, it's viral. Now my opinion is solidified. I mean, we all do it, but, um, I was I was thinking about the the photo the two like celebrities just like us thing and I've been watching Kardashians and and then my sister today sent me a TikTok about like Courtney Kardashian the Kardashians in general but especially Courtney Kardashian are constantly talking about living life like oh, she's like, all the time she's like she's like wait can I play you this tick it'll be a funny clip like she's just yeah, like, yeah, she's, yeah, she's always like I just got to live my life. And Chloe's like, I have to live my life. And I'm like, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> like, but like the Jurgen Teller photos are like, here, what, here they are living their lives. Living like, their lives. <laughs> this is what, isn't this what you want of them? Like, don't you want them to live their lives? Because in a way I think we do. Okay, but here, here's the TikTok. You can't say we didn't live life. We are definitely living life. Just like live life and have fun. Live that life, girl. Live that life. My vibe right now is just living life. I am just yeah. here to live life. I was just there living life. <laughs> well, it's I mean, also whenever 
they go on vacation, they go, let's make some memories. Let's make the memory. That's like, like their all they want to do is make memories they're also like i mean the kardashians i mean we don't have to go too down this rabbit hole but like it kills me like they're literally always just like laying on large couches and then being like i gotta get out of town (laughs) (laughs) courtney says get out of town i'm gonna start counting she's like she's like i just gotta get out of town and she has that valley girl accent like and then chloe's like chloe's like you know i just have to live my life and i'm like whose life are you what like what (laughs) what are you talking about? Like, I understand using that once in a while to be like, Lamar Odom is a psycho and I have to take care of him. And so I need to live my life. But like, they're all saying it about each other too. Like Chris is always like, Kendall just needs to live her life. (laughs) Aren't we watching a show about you living your life? (laughs) But I think that that's like also the hilarity of it is like, we're watching a show of people just like living their life and their, their whole obsession is that there they want to live there they also want to watch themselves live their lives like we're all just like living their lives right exactly it's like you're like watching the back of someone's head who's also watching you know what I mean (laughs) like but you have no idea what what is what it is the other person's watching but you're just like you know it's something I mean I, I literally find myself laughing out loud when 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 she says that when she says get out of town I mean, and they, they all have those huge couches that look even larger because they're all so tiny. But they just have these gigantic couches. So all they do all day is like sprawl in the sprawl of Calabasas. And they well, I guess that's how they like, it's how they film. But like there's couches everywhere. Chloe has couches outside, inside. She also has 30,000 pillows on her bed. I'm like, why do you need so much comfort, bitch? <laughs> Right, exactly. It's like, are you not comfortable enough? It's an excess of comfort. It is truly excessive. That was amazing, though, when Chloe got COVID. Have you seen that episode yet? No, no, I haven't seen it. I got to watch. We should probably talk about the newest season. I mean, that's like, that was such, that's like something that, yeah, when you watch it, we'll we'll discuss because I'm kind of like you with The Real Housewives. I I have endless things. Yeah. Um, okay so what do you you want to talk about you want to talk about Luann you want to talk about New York well we can we can segue into that just with the um with the blackface because that was really striking to me so for for listeners (laughs) even though we haven't published this anywhere yet for listeners for our beloved followers who will be listening um (laughs) um so in the season 10 premiere episode, which was 2018, Luann DeLisseps famously comes to the Halloween party dressed as Diana Ross, complete with a no joke, look it up, three foot tall Afro wig and bronzer on her face so that she is wearing blackface. And uh, take it away, Phoebe. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's it. I mean, she walks into the party and it's it's a minstrel. I mean, it's like it it was like past hilarity. It's so and, funny. you know what I mean. And she just walks in, and she kind of turns heads, but no one, no one cares. No one like no one cares. She Bethany's just, like, what the hell? But Bethany's well, yeah, like, Bethany's like, like, that's land. 
you know what I mean? I mean, people, people like react to it because like, what are the housewives if not like reactionaries who forget, they're like always reacting. The only one who kind of says something is Carol. Um, but Carol only says it in the interview. And she's like, I think maybe perhaps that like could have been, I think perhaps that was um, racially insensitive. So she's not super strong in her conviction. of. Well, she was kind of strong on it. Well, everyone quotes, hold on, I can pull up the article. Says, no, no, Carol brings it up a couple times throughout the season. She brings it up in the reunion. All right, well. She kind of clearly drops Luann as a friend after that. Like, okay. you know, she's not like making a big public scene out of it as she maybe should, but she's like, she's very like, that's just wrong. And I'm not gonna explain to you why. Yeah, wait, hold on. Let me, let me find the, let me see the quote. I think that there was a, there was like a Carol. Carol. Here we go. Luann's costume is so disrespectful. I think she's tone deaf when it comes to cultural stereotypes. Well, Luann has a history. Have you seen the Native American headdress thing? Yeah. And then she's like, I'm part Native American. And yeah. Carol calls her out for that too. But I think that, I think that like the thing with Carol calling it out and it's like what I feel, you know, Carol's like that huge Hillary supporter or whatever. Yeah, and the best part of that is that when Bethany is like, Carol, if you care so much about Hillary, why don't you join her campaign? And Carol's like, but I don't want to move to DC. My life is so fun here. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. So I think that it's like, sure, I'm glad, like, great, Carol. I'm glad that you like said that Luann's costume was like disrespectful. But at the same time, it's like, you didn't say it to her face. And you kept going on the show and like you didn't do anything social about it that would like be like guys what the fuck luann's in blackface what like if what a real if what yeah. if, can you imagine if one of my friends came into a halloween party in blackface well, i mean stones I, I, about the year 2021 else I would be embarrassed for myself that I was like friends with that part. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a whole thing. And I think that it just showed like, again, like the respectability politics of extreme wealth, where it's like, that's like the real, that's like the thing. That's what holds them all together. And it doesn't really matter who voted for who or who's like liberal or whatever. Like, Carol's well, that's still an interesting out. season because that's like, that's, is season 10, 2016 or is season nine, 2016? Season nine is 2016 with the election. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting season because you don't really get to see them engage like that about like current events that often. And I think that um, it was very telling because all of them are Trump supporters <laughs> and well, no one will say who they voted for in the reunion. But Carol's a real like pink pussy hat wearer. So three Hillary supporters, Dorinda, Bethany, and Carol were like, I voted for her. And then Tinsley is like, I don't know how to vote. Literally, she goes, I don't know. And then the rest of them are like- Carol was so mad at her. She was like, what is wrong with you? I know. She's like, that's even worse than voting for him. And everyone else is like, I didn't vote. I don't, I'm not going to say. And it's like, all right, well, why are you like- are you embarrassed that you voted? I just don't under I don't understand people who voted for Trump who are then like embarrassed by it. I'm like, I mean, I understand why you'd be embarrassed, but it's like if you supported him as a candidate, why would like doesn't that defeat the purpose of voting for someone? That then you can't say it publicly. Well, Real Housewives, they're all like, 
best buds. They're all good friends. Yeah, when they go around the room. I mean, Bethany was on the And Sonia's bragging. She's like, yes, I used to dine with old Don at the, the old well, Carlisle Hotel. Luann was Eric Trump. Luann, like, fucked Eric Trump in a bathroom. Remember when they... Remember that? <gasps> I'm that's just going to give you that's Eric Trump. Yeah, that's Eric. I wouldn't have known except for the fact that Trump was fucking president for four years. And, like, I've just My seen mind it. is blown. It's right? No, no, that's Eric Trump. That's Eric Trump. Yeah, uh-huh. fuck him in the bathroom. <laughs> that's, that's the guy. That's the Eric. I think that's season eight that she keeps bringing around. It's Eric Trump. And that's another thing where I'm like, Carol, fuck You're you. You're so right. And there, and Carol is like talking to him. And Carol's like, I don't know. We didn't live life. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it. Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, no, but that, that's the thing. That's what also annoys me about Carol, where I'm just like, you were chilling with Eric Trump for like, oh, yeah. for all of 2014 and 2015 with Luann. And that's when she was best friends with Luann. Also, and it's like, Donald Trump is like, I mean, we don't, we're not going to talk about, this is not a Donald Trump podcast. And like, there's that like way too- orange man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Girl power. <laughs> we both are- by the way, for all of our viewers, we're both wearing our pussy hats. We haven't taken them off since the Women's March in 2016. Right. We're wearing I'm our joking. pussies on our hats. I wear my pussy on my sleeve. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyway, but but yeah, no, it's just it's just it's just so it's just so ridiculous. But yeah, no, it's Eric Trump. And then my my the other crazy thing was like I obviously like everyone knows that Megyn Kelly got like fired from NBC, CNN, where the fuck she was doing her like the, I don't know what her Megan Kelly. We all knew that she was fired for um, being like, I don't understand what's wrong with blackface, but I learned at 3am this morning when I had insomnia that the person she was talking about was Luann, which, which is funny that Luann, that, that like Luann Deliceps becomes like the, the reason Megan Kelly gets fired in a in a way so it's like the real housewives are doing something politically in this in this culture yeah yeah the the yeah that blackface moment is pretty insane i mean it's interesting question because we are entering an era of like people really wanting to have conversations around all this stuff and i don't think that's a bad thing but a show like real housewives and reality tv tv in general are we gonna make them catch up? And are we gonna make them adhere to the rules? Because, you know, it's fucking Bravo. Like they're not, they've never been like bastions for like moral culture or like for like ethical consumption or for like, it's it's disgusting trash TV. Like, why do you think that Bravo's gonna hold Luann accountable no one gives a shit about her blackface they care about her divorce from Tom D'Agostino okay and like it's like this year 2020 saw the firings of Stasi Schroeder and Kirsten Dewey um from Vanderpump Rules and that was because there was one black cast member on the show and they didn't like her because she fucked Jax like everyone has while she was dating he was dating somebody else because he's a serial cheater and they Kirsten Kristen and Stasi there was a wanted thing online for a black woman in LA 
and they contacted the police and said it was their cast member. <gasps> no. Yeah, so they got fired. The sh- they got fired so quick. Their heads. Stassi's podcast got pulled from Apple Music. I mean, like total really cancellation. Oh, okay. I I didn't realize it was because they did something like that. No, it's horrible. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's fine. It's not. I'm not saying it's bad. They got canceled. Got killed. Like, like literally putting your fired. But I just don't think that these institutions are going to hold up these new norms nor should we really expect them to, or should we expect them to? I don't want to expect them to. Like that doesn't, that's not, um, I don't want like reality. I don't want people to be like that, that I watch, but like, you know, it's just like, I don't like, if you're going to fire, the thing is if you're going to fire Stassi and Kristen, you have to fire Jax and they eventually did like, and then you kind of have to fire everybody else because they're all have done extremely questionable things because they're on reality TV. <laughs> well, I mean, I actually didn't know that that was the reason. I actually, okay, now I kind of agree with them firing. Like, I, I think that like, no matter what your race or I don't think that you should endanger. I think that's, that's. I mean, it actually, I take that back. Yeah, you can't- it's obviously fucked cops. up. You can't call the cops on a wanted person and have them show up at a black woman's house. Like she, I mean, she really, there is a fucking, there's a high capacity she would have died. And I think that like, if your cast members, they're like so unstable that they're like, and you know, people, that, that's why, that, that's why they called the cops. You know what I mean? It's like the, the Gestasi is literally the, de- she self-describes as the devil. I think that like, Insane. if you're trying to get something killed, but I think that that's the thing. If you're trying to get someone killed, you should be fired for that. But I don't think that it's, but, but, but I, you know, but I mean, but we were talking about this earlier where it's just like really complicated. Like you can't expect like reality TV to be woke. And it's also like the people who are like fire Luann now. It's like, well, where were you when she was fucking Eric Trump? Like, like, why didn't you want her to be fired when she like did like a insanely racist, like Native American fucking whoop in the in the thing like this is what you sign up for when you're watching the show it is disgusting but what i i mean i think that i really think that the biggest issue is that they're being paid and that's that's like the ethical dilemma it's like i don't want to pay someone i think it's wrong to pay someone to put in a minstrel show of course i don't care what platform they have you shouldn't pay someone giving someone millions of dollars to do a minstrel show with okay. the Stassi thing is like, obviously I think that's horrible and I think they deserve to be fired, but I don't think that there's any worse, there's anything worse in any of the other cast members' histories. Like, I don't think that that it's like a melting pot of like socially conscious and aware people. And I think they made a very, very, they did a very bad thing and they did it in a very, and people found out about it and that's why they got that's why they got fired but like I think that like and no I think they should be fired but it just begs the question like who do you think your reality tv stars are like who do you think these people are right like you know and it's it's an important question to ask yourself because it, it, it you can get caught up in in their whole you know shtick and you can like get caught up in the character but like I agree with the like the kind of Luann can't like Luann firing and yeah I mean I don't know should Luann be fired she'd probably be fine if she got fired I mean it would suck for her but like 
you know, okay, she's fired. She doesn't have that source of income. She's really rich now though. She has garnered international celebrity. Right. I think it's like, I think that if you endanger someone's life, you should be fired. You know what I mean? I don't think that like you should like threaten to kill someone on a show. And that's, that's, that's really that, that's when it gets too real. You know what I mean? Well, and like Jax has done that on Vanderpump Rules on camera care. countless times. I don't know. So she should be fired too. I don't, I don't watch Vanderpump Rules. So I actually, yeah. that's why, that's why I didn't, I just knew that they had been fired for yeah. doing racially insensitive. I had, I had no idea what it was. Cause I just like, didn't look it up. It was bad. They're the worst people. Vanderpump Rules is the worst cast of people I've ever seen in my life. Right. So I don't, I don't watch it. That kind of like, you know what I mean? So I don't, I can't comment on it, but like know, knowing that, I think that if someone endangers someone's life, especially by like, that is just so vile calling the cops on, on someone when you, when you know what happens, that, that is just, and that, that's like, ugh. that's so, and that's so, it's just like so blatant. Really bad. bad. And it's endangering someone's life. They could fucking die. It's blood on your hands. So that's bad, but, but yeah. And like, you know, who the fuck am I to say, to like, to like talk about the, the like intricacies of it. But I, but I do kind of draw the line at, you know, Ava's always telling me, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? And I think that like what I was telling her for like, you know, the, the wealthy people who go to the guillotine for me, the line is billion, line's a billion dollars. That's the hard, that's my hard line. And I guess for like reality TV firings, it's like, it's like fucking threatening someone's life in a, in a real way. Cause like, you know, Whitney would say, well, Jen, you threaten my life. But I think that well, it's different to be yeah. like, I'm, like, I'm going to drown you, which is, you know, which is like- Insane to say. You know, I mean, in a way she did threaten Whitney's life, but I think that it was also out of, it was like an emotional thing kind I don't know I don't I don't it, you can't get into the intricacies of it because they're all at the end of the day they're all horrible disgusting people it doesn't matter who the fuck bad, they are bad people um Luann didn't threaten to kill someone no she did the thing that like fucking Allison Roman got canceled for well no because Allison well do you think Allison Roman was actually doing brown face and then no, she lied. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything. I don't know. People love to hate Alison Roman. And I'm like, I love her recipes. <laughs> well, what was the thing? Well, hers was two things. One was like, she made the comment in the magazine that was like, um, I don't want to have like a brand in the same way that like Chrissy Teigen and, or Marie Kondo do. And people and I was like, like cool dude like it was a cool thing to say in a lot of ways she was like I'm not gonna be a chef so that I can have like a kitchenware line at Target she's like I don't care about that like she's like I care about communities of like local food but then there was like a photo of her from like 10 years ago which surfaced as like people said that she was being like a uh people were like, look, she's dressing up as like a racist depiction of like a Puerto Rican she was Amy Winehouse yeah, but I mean, that's what she said. She said, I'm Amy Winehouse. I think that like, I mean, I don't know, I, whatever she, who, who the fuck knows, but you know what I mean? But that no, was, that yeah. was like the second thing that resurfaced after. Like yes, the, that was the second thing. That was like but, the second thing. But she, but that resurfaced because people went like digging into her life, of course. But you know, like her being Amy, quote unquote, maybe she wasn't being Amy Winehouse. Maybe she was, she's Amy Winehouse 
in what 2009 she probably was wearing a lot of bronzer that was kind of the thing in 2009 but anyway who cares but like but like I guess I guess I just think that like yeah I guess it doesn't matter because you haven't really seen Vanderpump Rules but like if you're gonna fire people for their questionable actions and obviously that's a majorly questionable action but there are equally majorly questionable actions like Jax has definitely like definitely raped somebody like that's just his energy like you just know that's you know like he like paid for his girlfriend's new boobs like he date he wouldn't like date her until he bought her boobs like it's like like cancel the fucking show you know what I mean like you you shouldn't be giving any of these people a platform maybe they should cancel Vanderpump rules it seems like right exactly so that's my thing I'm like just cancel the fucking show like getting rid of Stassi and Kristen obviously you know appropriate because of what they did but Again, no one's no one's really holding um, Bravo culpable for any of this. Like I sent you like a reel the other day from Instagram that my friend sent me that was like Bravo doesn't condone violence, and it was like snapshots of like how many people like fist fighting on oh real, on Bravo television shows, and like you know they can cover their ass all they want and fire whoever they want, but like they're filming this and they're egging this stuff on to happen. Like the producers of these shows want this stuff to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that that like brings us back. Oh, sorry, keep going. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, bring us, bring us back. I, it's, I, it, I think it brings us, it brings us, it brings us back to our, our pilot episode. And it's my guiding question throughout all of this. It's like, why do I like this show so much? Like what the fuck is driving me towards this show? that is like from the get-go is like so blatantly racist, so homophobic, honestly anti-Semitic, you know what I mean? And it's, oh yeah, go ahead. I wanted to see if you caught in this, in Cindy's season reunion, when somebody says something like about somebody being Jewish and she's like, what about being Jewish? Oh yeah. And she was like, she was like, you're all like, and she like had a look on her face that was like all these anti-Semitic bitches. Anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like, why are we attracted to these? And, and you know what I mean? It's like, why are so many people attracted to these horrible people? Why is Doreen St. Felix who like, you know, could write about anything. Why, like, why is she watching Salt Lake City? Like, why, why do people watch this? How is it such a cultural phenomenon? Why is it like such an American thing? How do these sit, you know, you know, and it's like, I, what I was, I mean, I don't think we should talk about Vanderpump Rules because I haven't, I haven't seen it. No, we don't have to. I have like, there's like nothing I can say about it. That's not just like, like I, you need to watch them, I think, to, to really have a theoretical basis Yeah. to go, to go on or whatever. But, but with something like, uh, with something like New York and something like Luann and Blackface, it's not like, I'm not saying it's like positive. I'm just saying, I think that a lot of it is just like, yeah, this is what rich people are, are doing. Like Jeffrey Epstein showed up to uh, Sonia's birthday party right. season four. It's like, I think that it's actually, you know, I'm like, um, it just, it just shows you see it. And I think that there's like a lot in like that seeing it. It's almost like, I think the guilty pleasure almost just seeing Luann in blackface where I'm not happy about it, 
but at the same time you're just like yeah like this is like this is what I thought was going on the whole time it's like the beauty of eyes wide shut you know what I mean because you you see it and I guess like and to to carry that metaphor on or whatever it's like an eyes wide shut like uh Tom Cruise is safe until he takes off his mask and I feel like our mask in a way is the screen like because they can't that we're watching them so we're just we're just watching and there's no guilt there's no blood on our hands it seems like for watching them Mm -hmm. so it's like this it's like this strange pleasure in just seeing people who are so other than us in terms of wealth Mm -hmm. do what we always knew they were doing behind closed doors but for whatever perverse reason they're now doing totally in the public right yeah for sure I mean, I think there's something about watching it that's like this kind of affirmation of like reality and like simulation. I mean, I've been reading Simulacra simulation and like, you know, he talks a lot about proving the real through the imaginary, proving truth through scandal, proving the law through transgression proving work through striking, proving system through crisis and capital through as a revolution. Like, I think that's, that seems like it's, that like, that like resonates for me on watching the show. Like, it's like, you're kind of searching for these kinds of truths or things by pitting them against this kind of chaotic uh, visual display in a, in a way. And also I think that it's, it's just fun to, and like, there's another quote that I thought was really resonant, like, or the incredible coexistence of the most bizarre theories and practices which correspond to the improbable coalition of luxury, heaven, and money, to the improbable, luxurious materialization of life and to undiscoverable contradictions. Like, I think for people like writers, like Doreen, like, I think it's a fascinating platform on which to map things and and discuss culture because there's like literally endless amounts that you can extrapolate from things because it is it is like kind of a meta scene of like all these weird juxtapositions and all these kinds of like it feels very contemporary and very American like you're saying so I think that it's natural to like be curious about it because it feels so it feels so much like a like a part of like a slice of life or something but it's not a slice of life but it's you know something like that a slice of like some sort of reality or it's the fascination with the like mechanism of television and media you know yeah I want to read I'm gonna just, I'm just looking oh my god sorry. I'm just looking at that uh that Baudrillard quote that you posted um the you emailed me simulacra All Western faith and good faith become engaged in this wager on representation, that a sign could refer to the depth of meaning, that a sign could be exchanged for meaning, and that something can guarantee this exchange. God, of course. But what if God himself can be simulated, that is to say, can be reduced to the signs that constitute faith? Then the whole system becomes weightless. It is no longer itself anything but a gigantic simulacrum, not unreal, but a simulacrum. That is to say, never exchanged for the real, but exchanged for itself in an uninterrupted circuit without reference or circumference. And then, 
Right. And then I was also, I was just reading um, Heidegger's uh, The Question Concerning Technology. Oh, I got to read that. He says, um, circumscribing gives bounds to the thing. With the bounds, the thing does not stop. Rather, from within them, it begins to be what after production it will be. Ooh, that's good stuff. And I we mean, were talking about the circle and the devil's yeah. relationship to the circle last time. Yeah, the, the circle conversation was really interesting. And then I was reading, I was reading this simulacrum, and it's, I mean, it, he references loops and circles constantly. And today I was listening to the Red Scare um, with um, Adam, Curtis. Adam Curtis, and he's talking constantly about feedback loops. I mean, it's mm -hmm. so, you know, there's like a real, there's a real symbolism that's like going on in like a lot of these like cultural commentary. Like there's a lot of symbolism. What? It's not just symbolism. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like literally the technology that, um, like tomorrow is actually the birthday of uh, the guy who invented the telephone. Oh, you know, Alexander Bell? Yeah, Alexander Graham Bell, tomorrow's his, his birthday. It's Pisces, mm. like, like myself. Um, How do you know that? Did you get an alert from your Google? No, I know it from the, for, from the woman I work for. Oh. <laughs> our fair G-Cal. Um, you know, we live our life. I mean, the, the circuitry and the feedback loop, I mean, it's how you make music. It's, it's, it's how it's, it's yeah. a whole genre of like the Gen Z bedroom pop, you Super know, it, in it. and it's something that I don't know anything about music really. I've never studied it, but I, but I have a lot of friends who are musicians and my brother, my brother and I are having this, my brother's is a genius musician. He was telling me that the feedback loop, um, kind of like came into like fruition or whatever in the 90s uh with like with like rap like like rap artists started like really using the feedback loop and like the process of like improvisation and like and like working with someone when they were like you know you know like you work with the sounds of someone else within the feedback loop and by like making it something that's your own by replaying 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 and you even think of like like Adorno's essay on the on on what it means to go from the from the gramophone to like the record player, mm -hmm. you, you you know all of these things are actually just going in circles and there's such I mean Bo I mean Bogiard is like obsessed with technology and I think that next week I want to talk about technology because this Heidegger essay is just everything I'm thinking about like the yeah oh my god and uh yeah it's it just so fucking it because it also relates to what we were saying last week we we're last week we were getting a little bit like gnostic you know we were saying that like the the housewives are like prophets of like american satanism <laughs> but i actually think that another way to say that in terms of like continental philosophy um is that like is that like these women like through the philosophical mechanisms of like Heidegger and Baudrillard are made into things they're made into machines um and you know images as machine a feedback loop which they are as machine and through that we're allowed to interact with them in the same way that we would interact with an object yeah for sure I mean I think about the loop 
I've been trying to write all these kinds of applications for things and I've been trying to describe my like interests and I think about the loop pedal which I use all the time as like a tool for me- like accessing memory in a way because you record something in a moment and then it gets played back the whole time the piece is going so it like is this little container for all these moments being repeated and and the thing is once you loop things enough they don't sound like the and layer them they don't sound like the original sound so in looping and repetition there is always a kind of transformation like when you say a word over and over and over again and there's a lot of sound art there's like a sound artist who's done that who like this woman who like repeat I forget her name but like she you know you repeat a word a bunch of times and it becomes a rhythm becomes a beat um so yeah I mean I think that kind of is the loop circle thing is is totally consistent in my in my interests I think and then here I'll give one more quote for this circ like I I flagged this as like circus kind of circle thing from simulacra the confinement of the scientific object is equal to the confinement of the mad and the dead. And just as all of society is irremediably, irremediably contaminated <laughs> by this mirror of madness that it has held up itself, science can't help but die contaminated by the death of this object that is its inverse mirror. It is science that masters the objects, but it is the objects that invest it with depth according to an unconscious reversion which only gives a dead and circular response to a dead and circular interrogation. What does that mean to you? Because it's like every every Baudrillard sentence, you could write a thousand pages about. I know, it's a little overwhelming. Well, that, what that means to me is like, I love this idea of a mirror and like the idea of like the life and death kind of cycle going on and um, the idea of objects you're talking about like science that masters the objects but it's the objects that invest it with depth it's like i mean i think a lot of what you're talking about is like one cannot be without the other which we talked about i think in maybe the first episode like you talked about the idea of like woman and man that he talks about where like a woman or if, if an object drops did you did it drop or did you drop it you know this kind of like it's like a perverse fetishistic passivity that's turned on its head right. And so I think that that's like a lot of what he's talking about is like this kind of like one thing cannot be without the other and they need each other. But what is that? What are we barreling towards? And he basically describes a lot in a lot of ways, like reality TV and like the specter of like contemporary media and like what we're barreling towards, which is pretty fascinating. Um, But yeah, I mean, I was just kind of like getting excited. Like I was just like copying and pasting quotes. (laughs) Well, no, I think that Baudrillard... He's such, he's such a genius. And what I also, what, what I think what also makes him so great is that like, he's, he's European, you know what I mean? He's French and then he comes to America and he sees America from this like outsider perspective. He kind of sees America through the lens of like, of like European philosophy or like French philosophy, which like is itself like, like a funny, like, you know, that great story, right? Uh, I think that Chris Krauss writes about it in, um, social practices um, where herself and Silver in the 90s, because, you know, with uh, when they had started um, Simeo text, they were like, re- like Silver was like, I found this Baudrillard guy and I want to bring him to America. That's mm-hmm. my French accent. Um, it's me being Silver, Daddy Lotchinger. <laughs> was all, whatever. Anyway, sorry, I'm like drunk. Um, 
pronounce his last name like the thing you have when you have a sore throat a, a lozenger yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway so they bring him and they're like we're gonna have this crazy party and they had this party for him at a casino that was like in the outskirts of las vegas and they invited all their like la art friends and they're like both like it's gonna be a techno party and like an orgy and like 11 but like also Bojoid is going to speak so it was like all those things and then Chris Cross is like at two in the morning Bojoid like stands on one of like the billiards tables or whatever and he's in like a like a like a silver suit that's like reflecting everywhere and he has such a thick French accent that like no one can hear him and everyone is like so fucked up like on the floor like everyone's tripping so like that's kind of you know it's like Baudrillard in America he just like sees America and I think that that's why like Americans really like his work because I think we're like oh fuck right yeah he gets us but there's also this horrible I mean I guess it's not horrible but there's this like Instagram account that is called I'll say it and you can bleep it out if it's like whatever. We don't, we don't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's called Kardashian Colloquium, mm -hmm. which what I garner is it's like this, uh, it's this PhD student or like someone who just has like her master's or something who like tries to apply theory to the Kardashians, which is like, I like, I do that too. We do that too. Yeah. People do that. But the yeah. way that she does it is just kind of like, she makes it really cheesy. You know what I mean? Like she's just like, She'll like say something. It can be too easy, to be honest. And that and that's the thing. I think that like what she does is she takes the easy route and she's just like, she'll like say a Bochy I quote about simulation. She'll be like, see, exactly. Yeah. Nah. Well, there's another person like that Nate called R.I.P. Anna Nicole Smith on Twitter, on Instagram. And her stuff is a little more interesting, but it's the same kind of vibe. But I mean, like, I've always had that question. Like, I've always wanted to make an art piece out of stuff on the Real Housewives because I'm like, because I'm like, what's happening? There's so much happening. You know, I'm like, my mind is like in overload every time I watch it. But for a long time, I've struggled and I still kind of struggle with this idea of like, do I need to do anything to this, right? Because it, it kind of stands on its own as a piece of culture and, and media and, you know, an intervention and it might just be kind of futile and it might make it worse and it might make it seem like youth, like the in, in putting an artistic spin on it, it's as if it's as if the art makes it more clear or real. And I I don't know how 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 true that is. I think you have to work within the system. Like I don't think you can make something out of it. I think it's all right there, and you kind of and that's kind of the fun, unending puzzle of it and interrogation to me. You know, I just feel so guilty in my passivity. You know what I mean? I just feel guilty in my passivity of watching it for hours and hours and hours. And I think that part of that, like, is I'm like, damn, like, I, like, I feel better than it. That's what you're saying about the reunions. And I think that I want to be active in my participation. I don't want to just watch. I don't want to be relegated to someone who just watches. Um, so I want to, I want to like do something, which the passivity of just letting it pass over me. Right. And well, I mean, I think in a way, I felt like a real kind of like release doing this because I feel like I do take notes and like I, I've never let my I've I've always wanted to take notes but I like I'm always like lazy and I don't but like you know it's fun to like really address it you know in this in this way but um uh, shall we close on that note yeah money can buy you 
a Hulu account so you can watch Real Housewives of New York City. I know. I wonder if we're going to convert anybody. <laughs> uh, well, okay. One more funny thing. I was I was texting uh, one of my friend's moms, who like is honestly one of my best friends, even though she's my friend's mom. And I was like, I'm doing a podcast about the Real Housewives, and she's like, Ooh, what's it called? And I was like money can't buy you class and she like waited five minutes and then texted me back isn't that elitist and I was like yeah duh but it's like the name of Luanne de Lesseps hit song money can't buy you class so I think I think that it's like we're already living in this world of like it there's so many levels to the reference we're li- we're, we, we are the ready-made meme we're doing it we're giving into its system we are doing it we're doing it we're living life I love living my life live life just go out there and live your life live your life live it 